So, Matt, do you know what the best thing about Switzerland is? I can think of a few things, but what? Well, I, I know their flag is a big plus. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the graveyard. Thank you for joining us tonight. My name is Adam. And my name's Matt. Now, pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is Graveyard Tales. We sound a little subdued this morning. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I have not had enough coffee. <laughs> that's that's apparent. But we wanted to uh, let you guys know that next week we are dark. So, you know, do your normal graveyard tales dark week thing go back and listen to some old episodes or go check out some of our friends podcasts that we have done in previous potty breaks and stuff like that yeah there's some good shows out there besides us right but (laughs) obviously we're the best listen to us first and then go listen to our friends (laughs) um and while we're dark uh be sure go check out our website graveyardpodcast.com and just check for updates and all that stuff. You can listen to shows and everything else there. If you want to mail us anything, you can send it to P.O. Box 941, Hendersonville, Tennessee, 37077. And we stop by and check that maybe once a week or something like that. So, you know, send us something. We'll be happy to get it, and we'll give you a little shout-out on the show. Yeah, nothing perishable. Yes, no, nothing perishable. Don't... <laughs> And if you're going to do that, make sure you message us so that we know. That's right. So, yeah. so we'll go get it. Right. I don't want cookies going bad in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, open up the box. Oh, my God. Yeah. Who sent us tuna casserole? Right. <laughs> we thought you liked tuna sandwiches. Um, but that's all I got, Matt. What are we talking about tonight? Okay. Coming off of the heels of our episode on Lep Castle and the the spirit that inhabits... Um, the castle, we decided we would uh, talk more about elementals, Mm -hmm. elemental spirits. So they're, they're pretty interesting. They're ancient. Yes. You know, been around for since the beginning of time, if you believe the lore. Right. Um, And we thought it was interesting enough to delve into more of it. But what we found was pretty interesting. We, We'll talk about more of that later. Yeah. We're, we're going to we're gonna compare what we've discovered about elemental spirits and what people believe is living in Lep Castle uh, after a while. But, um, but we're going to get into this, and, and, and we're going to talk about the history, and this is going to sound a lot like our episode on the Fae. Right. Because there much. are a lot of similarities. In fact, there's a lot of crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we found out was that these elemental spirits are more tied to strict nature and possibly not in the way that fairies and elves and such things are, but similar. And so we're going to get into that too. So uh, the, the Swiss alchemist uh, Paracelsus, he's also considered one of the forefathers of modern medicine. He classified elemental beings. And according to each of the four elements, earth, 
water, fire, and air. So four is a, it's a, it's a structural pattern in natural order. So there's all kinds of meanings and numbers and, and four is this pattern that we see in nature. Now, interesting, interestingly enough, can't talk this morning. <laughs> man's number is five. Okay. And we'll talk about the fifth element. It's, it's, is if any of this isn't theory, <laughs> but, right. but, but you know, a theory on a theory is that the fifth element is ether or this kind of a psychic substance. Space has even been considered to be the fifth element, which I don't understand how that works, I don't but, but we're going to talk more about that in, in a little bit. Well, there's some old myths that tell us that divine beings were sent to our transforming planet very, very early on before it, it took the shape that we would recognize today. Um, and they were sent down to create order out of that chaos. And apparently when they arrived, they got in touch with the frequencies of this planet and they became the four elements that connected earth, nature, and the divine. So, so they weren't like assigned spirits. Okay. You're going to be air and you're going to be water. Right. They developed right when, in, into each individual Exactly. Element. When they, when they came down, they, you know, they said, okay, this feels more like me and this feels more like me. And they kind of chose the elements that they wanted to represent. So they, they kind of are depicted as spirits or entities from nature. Like Matt was saying, they're similar to the Fae, but it's kind of like they're the original Fae. They're the, the gods of the Fae, so to speak. And, you know, we, like Matt was saying, just to touch on that a little bit too, we have kind of in the past century or so changed what we think of when we think of elementals. And I I was guilty of it too, before doing all of this research that we associate the term elemental with something dark and malevolent and if it's there you know it's super bad and you watch ghost hunting shows and they're like well there's an elemental here so it's you know we better watch out it'll kill us i mean they can you know but yeah, they're plenty powerful yes so i mean they, they they could be dangerous they could be but that's not what they're set out to do right they're not a a driving force for evil like we have come to believe in and that pop culture has associated that meaning with you know they they've got their internal i guess feelings and beliefs and everything is more driving nature and the natural world and a lot of times we'll see in this, they don't really care about us. You know, we're kind of right. an afterthought. So as Adam was mentioning, they they are like the ancestors of the Fae, you know, according to the lore. Um, but they're not necessarily the same thing. And so fairies and elves are related to elementals, but more like cousins, you know, as opposed to being descendants or um, or being the same. 
We have all we all have those weird cousins. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we we've all got our share. <laughs> uh, but elves and fairies typically display more personality, and elementals are more along the lines of pure energy or consciousness. Um, and they have more of a general character. Now, some theories suggest that it's because fairies and elves and whatnot will, they will evolve into, you know, an individual. Right. You know, they have their own likes and dislikes and, and that creates your personality. Much more human. Yeah. But as Adam said, we are not necessarily any consequence to the elementals. We're, we're another part of the earth, mm-hmm. essentially. And we don't really play into what they do. And in, in fact, what, what we'll see as we get into some more specific discussion is that we interrupt the elementals more than we do anything else. <laughs> right. you know, we get in their way and, and cause them more problems. But as with fairies and elves, they may display an affinity for one or more specific element. Um, like water sprites or wood elves, but they are really able to freely utilize the energy of the element that they're aligned with. So a wood elf may have an affinity for water, but his ability to use energy from the water is not going to be as effective as his energy would be from the earth, Mm -hmm. you know, from, you know, a forest and he could utilize that energy a lot more efficiently. And so that's where the term supposedly comes from one, you know, one being out of one's element. Right. You know, so, you know, you're, you're doing something that you like, but it's not really your thing, Mm -hmm. you know, so you may be okay at it, but you're much better at something else. Right. And so uh, according to this theory, the elementals will play a vital role in human life. They charge and rejuvenate us and provide the needs that humans have from all four elements. So when one or more of the four are missing, then humans can feel out of balance. So it's almost like the idea of, you know, balancing your chi or harmonies when there's something out of a line. And in Mm -hmm. this case, it's one of the four elements then you don't feel exactly right. Right. It's like cutting a cutting a pizza into four pieces mm-hmm. and you need all four pieces to, you know, be whole. You can't sell yeah. three quarters of a pizza. You know, you've got to have all four yeah. quarters well, to sell. It's kind of like me. I, I have an affinity for being near the coast. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I feel at peace and I enjoy the time that I spend there and I'm disappointed when I have to leave. But you, you always feel this desire or I do at least to get there. And and it's more than just, um, it's more than just, I need a vacation. I need a break. I need to, you know, for me, it just feels like I'm so I'm where I'm supposed to be. Right. Even though I don't live on the coast and, I, and I've never really made a, a huge effort to move to the coast. <laughs> right. You know, for logistical reasons, but you know, I, I someone tell me one time every time uh, I see Spanish moss, I feel a little bit better. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm kind of that way. So it makes sense that when you're missing something, you know, from one of the elements that you don't exactly feel right. You know, I've met people that are like, 
look, I feel, I feel the best when I'm out camping, you know, mm-hmm. when I'm in the mountains and I can get up and I can smell that crisp air. So there may be something to this. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of me. I, I you know, it, the woods is that way for me. Yeah. You know, I've got to make sure I get out in the woods, go hiking, something, just go on a trail in the trees. Yeah. You know, to feel complete on a regular basis, and that it, it's probably that way for many people, and that's why you see nowadays a lot of people that have, you know, they they feel depressed when they're they're living in the city and all that stuff and they just don't feel right. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the theories is that that's because you're missing out on one of the, you know, one or all of the elemental presences in your life mm-hmm. that, you know, to be whole and to feel correct, you need to get out and experience that stuff, get away from the city and everything. And, and there's a reason that in the city you don't, feel right. Exactly. So elementals particularly don't like the busy lower vibrations that you get with inner city life. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of noise, a lot of activity. They tend to stay away. Maybe I'm an elemental. <laughs> I'm a city boy. You know, so I've, it's, it's always been a part, but um, you know, if you ever notice when you're in a busy city, you feel the energy and the vibrations are lower and things seem accelerated. Everything seems to go faster. Oh yeah. You know, it's not relaxing and it's not stress-free, but when you're in the country, you'll notice energy has a much higher vibration. It feels comforting and relaxing and quiet. And that's where the elementals live. They, they spend their time protecting and caring for mother earth, you know, so and and you, everybody, I think has heard this, you know, I got to get out of the city, mm-hmm. you know, I got to get out in the country and, and you do, you, you can, you can get far enough out where you feel at peace, right? You know, where that, that hustle and bustle of city life is far behind you. And, and here this is, you know, here, this, this peaceful, calm feeling of just being away from all of that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people feel like that's because you are in the presence of the elementals and they are re-energizing your body. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that it's elementals, but I know that, you know, in theory, this is true that getting away from that can be beneficial for your health. Right. You know, emotionally, spiritually, you know, just to, to break away from that. And, you know, a lot of people that, yeah, you're just relieving some stress. You're on a break. You know, you, that's some of it. Sure. But, you know, take, you know, if you don't live out now, if you live in, if you're a listener, you live in a busy city, consider your own life and what pulls you away. What, what makes you say, okay, enough's enough. And where do you want to go? For, for me, like I said, it's the coast. You know, that's where I want to be. I want to hear the waves crashing. For, right. for Adam, it's out in the woods. For you, it may be somewhere else. But I guarantee you it's somewhere that doesn't have that, that busy go, 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 go feeling, mm-hmm. that vibration. Mm-hmm. You know, so whether or not you want to believe that the elementals are helping energize your body or not, I would dare say that 99% of us will have somewhere that we go that says, okay, 
now I can relax. Yep. Now I can recharge my batteries. Yeah. And, and you have to do that on a regular basis just to feel normal. So Adam, let's, let's go into more of some of the specific, uh, elements and, and what the types of elementals are for each one. And, and there are some interesting things and you're going to hear even more crossover between fairies and fey folk when we get down into some specifics with each one. So why don't we start with earth? All right. Um, now, it's said that elementals can travel through their corresponding elements kind of as easily as we can walk through air. Um, so the earth elemental is known a lot of times as a gnome and as gnomes in general. They have power over rocks, flowers, trees, and minerals. And apparently cheap airfare. Yes. You know. <laughs> uh, travelocity. Uh, not a sponsor, by the way. Um, <laughs> they they are traditionally guardians of hidden treasure. Um, now, they prefer caves and deep forests. Some of the more familiar beings in the gnome classification include the tree and forest sprites, satyrs, pans, dryads, elves, all this stuff that we have heard about from folklore and legend for centuries. These are, are, are the, the, the gnome elementals that we would associate with Earth. Yeah, even brownies. Yes. Which when we talked about the fey folk, you know, brownies were helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they keep your house clean and in order. Right. You know, as, as long as you are respectful, you know, and you, you, you do the right things, the, the brownie will take care of your home. Right. You know, so again, if we're talking about, we're seeing this crossover, if a brownie is considered to be an earth elemental, or at least the manifestation of one, we're, we're seeing what Adam mentioned at the beginning. We're not seeing these evil beings. We're seeing something that's somewhat helpful. Right. Um, now, a lot of myths agree that gnomes really don't sympathize with humans, but humans can gain the trust of a gnome. And they can become a close friend or an ally. And it, it's said that billions of gnomes tend the earth through the cycles of the four seasons and see to it that all of the living things are supplied with their daily needs. So we see again that this is taking care of a portion of the earth and making sure that it runs properly. and. A lot of legends talk about the king of the gnomes, and the king is named Gob, um, and his followers were called goblins. And we've heard this. I, I mean, if you haven't heard of a goblin, you're living under a, a gnome <laughs> rock somewhere. <laughs> then a troll's um, sitting on you. <laughs> exactly. Um, but they're, you know, mischievous people that usually will take up residents in human houses that contain children. So we talked about this in the Fae. Mm -hmm. um, when they're in balance, they usually help do the chores and discipline the little ones and all that stuff. But when they get irritated, they become unpredictable. So they can throw things around the house, move your furniture, you know, take take the bedding out of your bed mm -hmm. and, and you know, everything very similar to poltergeist phenomena. Sure. Yeah. And, and these, 
gnomes and and brownies and and goblins that dwell in your home, they have of an, an affinity for shiny thing. It's like having a, a ferret. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> it's like, hey, has anybody seen my watch? You know? Yeah. <laughs> Why? What does it look like? Well, it's silver and it's shiny yeah. and it, it. Okay. It's under the sofa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of the gnomes has gotten it. Right. You know, or, or even like aluminum foil and things like that, you know, shiny objects. They have an affinity for those things and they'll take them. Um, you know, they can often be attached to crystals and rocks. Um, and they may cause animals to behave strangely or, you know, unpredictably. Um, and I think that's because you you ever seen a dog get upset before it's going to storm and you didn't know it was going to storm. You know, they, they have a connection to the earth that humans, and I think that's because, you know, there, there's too much going on in the human brain right. to key into those those things of nature that a dog can. And, you know, a dog is going to notice or, or a cat or anything else is going to notice something that's amiss. You know, so if they're that closely tied to the earth, of course, they're going to maybe sense the presence of an elemental. Right. And dogs have this. It, it kind of pertains to this, and it's kind of one of our classic graveyard tangents. Um, dogs have this internal compass where they can, you know, gauge the electromagnetic fields of the earth. And that's why theories suggest that that's why you'll see a dog spin in circles before it takes a poop, mm-hmm. because they always poop on a certain path facing a certain electromagnetic direction. Mm. Um I, I've never tested this. I've not gone out with Dallas and <laughs> tested this, but I always figured they're just working one up. Yeah, <laughs> no, apparently it's that uh, being in touch with the electromagnetic fields. <laughs> but um, things that that are more negative that that uh, Earth elementals can cause in humans, um, they can suddenly have this overwhelming fear of being buried alive. Um, There's an occultist named Dion Fortune. Uh, She notes that agoraphobia, which is the fear of leaving home, may be a symptom of an earth elemental haunting. You know, that just that feeling of, I can't leave. I can't go outside into nature. You know, it, it could be due to, Something that has to do with an earth elemental. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that makes sense. If you've got an earth elemental that, you know, is trying to wreak havoc on you, that would be one of the things that they would do. Don't go into my, you know, into my house, which is the the nature and all right. that stuff. Right. And, and a lot of times earth elementals are disturbed with things like new construction, mm-hmm. you know, especially if. They cleared a forest to build the neighborhood that you live in now. Right. You know, there, there's a really good chance that, you know, whatever earth elementals may be there, they, they were disturbed and your house may be sitting right on where they were. Right. You know, so now your house has got this earth elemental that is not happy. Right. But we're going to, we're going to talk more later about how to make these things happy. Right. And, you know, we talked about that in the Faye episode too. Yep. We sure did. You know, it, it, a lot of places uh, will move construction because of the phase presence in one area or another. And, you know, we don't hear 
in the states. So we may have more of an issue with elemental hauntings yeah. or elemental presences in our homes than other places just because we don't care. Yeah. And <laughs> that, here's here's an interesting aside. Um which side? This side. Okay. My side. <laughs> That's Adam's side. This is my side. So um in Nashville coming up here in a couple weeks, depending on when you're listening to this. So if you're listening to this, it's probably in another week. Mm-hmm. Um the NFL draft is going to be here. Oh yeah. Yep. Okay. And so last week there was this huge uproar of where they're going to build the stage to host this thing. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're familiar, if you're from Nashville, if you're familiar with it, you know, Nashville sits on a river. Okay. And that is a huge part of Nashville and, and the entertainment scene. Right. You know, most of what happens in Nashville, that's, you know, a big event is on the river. So, you know, the NFL draft is no different. And because of the size of the stage and to accommodate the equipment and the people, they were going to get rid of like, what, 23 cherry trees that that line the river. Well, you know, and the NFL was going to pay them like 10 grand. So the, the overwhelming negativity that hit the internet because of this was unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to see him cut down a bunch of trees either. You know, I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't picking up a sign that, you know, said, save the cherry trees and standing down on first Avenue. But a lot of people were at that point. Mm-hmm. So much so that they decided that they were only going to move like 10 and they were going to move them, not cut them down right. and replant them elsewhere. Right. Okay. Now, when have you ever known a city to just, I mean, it's cherry trees to, to most people. I mean, you know, the trees get cut down every day. I know. But just people went nuts over this. And, and maybe it was because of it was for an event or whatever. And it was going to be a temporary event, but this was a permanent change. You know, I get all that. But the city responded with, okay, we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. We're going to, we're going to change what we do. We're going to save as many of these trees as we can. And the ones that we have to move, we're going to replant somewhere else. Yep. And everybody's like, okay, that's a better plan. Yep. So it makes me wonder, had they gone forward with this plan and they cut down all these trees, you know, for an event, what kind of elementals would they be disturbing at that point? Yeah. What, what negative things would have cursed that event. Sure. I mean, if, if you're following this theory, then that would be something that would upset an earth elemental because mm-hmm. it's damaging to nature. You're killing one of nature's creations and you're, you're going to tear it down, you know, whether it's for financial gain or whatever, your, your motives are, are, are wrong according to an elemental and that sure. would upset them. And you know, may, maybe the the balance and the harmony of this event wouldn't be what it could be mm-hmm. if if they didn't change their plan. Right. You know? So, you know, it, it's 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 an interesting look on something that was a huge event over the last week. You know, where Adam and I are. Right. And I was glad to see that they changed yeah. their plan. Yeah. You know, it makes more sense than just to come in and hack it down and move <laughs> on. Right. You know. You know. Um. Now the next one we want to talk about are 
the water elementals. And Matt and I will probably pronounce this wrong, but the Undines. Now, they have power over water, including streams, rivers, marshes, ponds, waterfalls, oceans, and even fountains. They are also associated with rain, mist, and fog. Now, other beings that are classified as these Undines include water sprites and mermaids. And if that's not foreshadowing, I don't know what is. (laughs) Um, And you'll understand that later. Now, they can appear as human beings as well as small creatures. They're emotional, they love beauty, and they're fond of humans. Now, in the Tibetan and Indian cultures, there are what is called Nagas, and they are half human and half serpent, and they're associated with prosperity and are Dharma protectors. Now, a female Naga was said to be the first being on earth to receive the esoteric teachings of Buddha. And it's said that angering this Naga can cause illness. So these Nagas are the Tibetan and Indian versions of these Undines or water elementals. It's said that they cleanse not only physical waters, but also that aspect of mankind's life that relates to the water elemental, our emotional and subconscious world. So that could be one of the ones that Matt is tying to when he needs to go to the coast. Right. And to hear the waves crash and to be near the water, he may be tying into that Undine elemental. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting enough, you know, the Naga are the, they're, they're half human, half serpent. You remember the uh, Voldemort snake in the Harry Potter Potter series? Mm -hmm. Nagini. Oh, okay. Remember that? Yeah. So, you know, when you think, oh, it's just, you know, people are just coming up with these authors, just come up with names and stuff. I guarantee you, they, they've researched these things. Mm-hmm. And when you find out, you're like, oh, that's why. Right. Yeah. So right. we get a lot of that when we do this. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense now. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but we've made tangential <laughs> connections between so much stuff and, doing research. It's always about movies. Yeah. And <laughs> half of it, we don't even talk about on the show, but Matt and I will talk about it and go, did you realize? And we're like, yeah. no kidding. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's funny, but humans who interact with water elementals can become obsessed with water. Now, Matt. It, it, yeah, me, you know, I, I feel, I mean, I, you know, right now I don't have a swimming pool. This time last year, I had a swimming pool. Right. You know, a storm took out our swimming pool. Now, we're putting another pool back. But until that time. But until that time, I'm out of balance. And he comes over to my house, and I spray him with the garden hose. That's how I. Yeah. It's weird for the neighbors. I do the show soaking wet. I can't touch the mic for fear of electrocution. Uh, But in occult literature, it's claimed that water elementals can cause a human to commit suicide by drowning themselves. Now, we heard about that when we were talking about the fae. There were so many fae beings right. that were associated with water that were harmful to humans and would lure them into the water and pull them under the surface. Mm-hmm. Now, there's been unexplained and repeated plumbing problems that allegedly have been associated with water elementals. You know, so if your toilet backs up, you might have a water elemental down there. You know, if your pipes tend to leak. That's not what my problem is. <laughs> yeah, 
mine either. Um, <laughs> but uh, unexplained pools of water appearing are also reported. And water has been shown to be a conductor of electromagnetic fields, which is another thing. Water carries energy. And we've talked about that with a lot of places. Mm-hmm. That some of these locations where we we discuss a lot of heavy spiritual activity, they are affiliated with underground springs and, and moving water. Right. It works as a natural battery. Right. And, the, and, you know, humans have been able to harness the power of water for centuries. So, you know, it makes sense that not only is, is water something that humans need, you know, it, 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 you know, hydrates your body and it keeps things in line, you know, go a couple of days without drinking any water and see how you feel. Yeah, no, that's all right. You know, but it's also a source of energy for us. And, you know, like I said, for me, you know, I feel energized and rejuvenated when I'm in the water. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of, of, of theories behind the power of water. And, and one of these theories is, have you ever heard of somebody mentioning, Oh, the, the healing waters of Lake, mm-hmm. take a swim. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, how many times have you heard, boy, I'm telling you that there's something about that Lake. There's something about this pond or this river that it just, it makes you feel better. You know, it'll cure what ails you. There's been legends of that for centuries, right? All the way from, from Greek legends to, to biblical stories of the healing powers of waters. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's it's a fountain, a river or a lake, you know, we, we see that. And and still to this day, um, certain rivers in India and everything are, are known to be, you know, they pray at these rivers and every day they cleanse themselves with these rivers. Right. In order to wash away their sins and rejuvenate their their spiritual energy and everything. And if you're sick, you get bathed in the rivers and it's traverses all cultures and spiritual beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. As Adam said, it doesn't matter what faith you are, you know, somewhere in the history of your faith, you're, you're going to find a telling of some type of healing water. Mm -hmm. And so from the aspect of the elementals, these are called holy wells or springs. Now, holy wells are overseen by water spirits. Now, in these cases, the Undine will usually take the form of what's called the White Lady. Now, she is the guardian or protector of the Holy Spring. Now, depending on the age of the spring, the the White Lady that you meet there will either be in the form of the Maiden, the Mother, or the Crone. So, what they encourage is, you know, a a pun, spring cleaning. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, going and, and, and cleansing the spring, you know, cleaning it, getting away debris or trash or anything, you know, making it fresh and new. And what that does is it, it encourages the Undine that is guardian of that spring. Right. You know, to to bring back the power. Right. You know, that that is within it. And I, I did watch an interview with a gentleman who is sort of an authority on this type of thing. And, and he said that there was a, a uh, a, a fountain well um, thing in in, uh, in the UK that had been taken over by the Roman Catholic Church. Now we're not we're not slamming the church here, but what we're saying is what they did 
was they they wanted to clean it, and so they used bleach mm. in this in this fountain, and so it, it killed off the natural vegetation. Mm-hmm. Now you know they they weren't trying to disturb anything; they were just trying to clean this water. But what he says that it did was it removed the water elemental that was there, or yeah. or or you know however many would be around that spring. You know, it it kind of pushed them away, you know, by by cleansing all the the natural substance in the water, you know, it drove them out. Sure. And and that's where humans, as Adam and I said, will interfere with what the elementals are there doing. Right. You know, and in some cases you anger them, in some cases you just drive them away. And so the power that you would have found in in a holy well is gone because the elemental that was guardian of that spring isn't there anymore. Right. And something to think about, uh, we were talking about the lady in the lake and in Europe. And we, we think about the King Arthur legend and the sword that came from the lady in the lake. You know, this could have ties to the Fey or the elementals, the, the Undines, the, the water elementals, you know, because it was in some stories, it was a crone. Mm-hmm. That gave him exactly the sword. So, could that be kind of where that legend could could that tie into multiple different legends? Like we've got an intersection of the King Arthur legend and the elemental legends or the Fey legends. Absolutely, and you know, I had I saw references to the Lady of the Lake several times in in researching these water elementals. You know, so again, like I said, if you if you're into the idea of these elementals, they've been around since creation. Right. So, you know, the, the, they're ancient stories and it's an ancient belief. So, sure. I mean, that that would work into the idea of the Lady of the Lake and the King Arthur stories. Right. So, we we see it in a lot of different things, you know, and, and may not know that that's what that is or that's what they're talking about. Um, the next element we want to talk about is air. And... They're known as sylphs. Now, they have power over clouds, snow, winds. They prefer mountaintops, but they also reside in the air around us. Now, it's the sylphs that are the origin of the story of gossamer-winged fairies. The elementals of air are associated with muses, genius, and inspiration. And they're they're supposed to have inspired artists, poets, musicians, and they're said to, you know, be blessed or cursed in some cases by these sylphs. Now, they're responsible for the growth and development of all the flora that's present on the planet. And it's said that the sylphs tend the air element directing the flow of air currents and atmospheric conditions. And there's myths that say if you listen carefully, you might be able to hear a sylph talking to you through the winds. Mm. Yeah. You ever had that experience? You know, out in the woods, it's quiet mm-hmm. and you, you hear the wind you, going through the trees and it sounds like a voice. Yep. You think yeah. you hear something talking to Yeah. It's really eerie. Yeah. And and so, you know, and, and air elements have control over the weather. So, you know, there's a lot of theories and we're going to get into one that um, by communicating with air elementals, you can, Ask for appropriate weather, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that later. So, like um, rain dances, sure, 
you know, you know, rain dances is probably the most, you know, commonly known, you know, ceremony to induce a particular weather. Right. You know, you know, my kids do a snow dance (laughs) (laughs) and when they don't want to go to school, yeah. You know, it's cold. It's it looks like it's gonna rain. It's getting kind of gray. Mm-hmm. I've got a test tomorrow. You right. know? <laughs> Come on, snow. You know, I don't know. Wearing your pajamas inside out didn't really help this year. Um, but air ele- elementals are often considered to be the most common elemental when it comes to an elemental haunting. That if if you're if you have a true elemental haunting, most likely it's an air elemental. Um, they can also throw and break objects like we'll see in an angered earth elemental. But according to occult literature, it's the air elemental that is associated with sexual assault. Air elementals can cause agitation and fighting among humans in the location where they live. And so, if you know, if you're in an area with air elementals, they can cause some disruption between humans. Mm-hmm. Now. Air elemental hauntings have been associated with the suicidal impulse to jump from high places. Now, you know, air elementals have also been connected with abduction experiences and episodes of missing time. You know, so now we're thinking about alien abductions, um, missing 411 cases, you know, these people that are gone for 18 months and they show back up and they don't know what they've done for the last year and a half. Right. You know. Well, and, you know, you look at some of these books by like John Keel and, and, and even older authors, and they talk about, they touch on the alien subject. And sometimes they say, they talk about them being around, not necessarily aliens, but these things that we associate with aliens have been around and been a part of the planet for millennia since it was created. So we, in our, the way we think about life and the world and everything, we, we associate that with an alien presence, but it may not be. It may be something else that we've always interacted with since humans have been around. So that ties in with these elementals. You know, it, it may not be an alien abduction. It may be an elemental haunting that you're dealing with. That yeah that is causing this missing time or that is causing, you know, anger and, and lapses in judgment and stuff like that. Makes you think, you know, could something like the Mothman, oh, a winged being, mm-hmm. could that be an air elemental that, that people witnessed, you know, before the collapse of the bridge? Right. You know, it, it was makes, a man-made structure. That's right. Maybe interfering with it. Correct. You know, it, it, it also makes you think, you know, is Bigfoot an earth elemental mm-hmm. that can easily pass through, you know, elements of earth? Right. You know, that's why it can disappear around corners and stuff and you right. lose or, sight of it or traverse long distances quickly or we don't find dead bodies. Right. You know, things like that, because at their core, you know, elementals are invisible to humans Mm -hmm. but if they can if they want to they can make their presence known and even become visible and that may be very well what we're talking about right how many of these cryptids that we research 
could be something like an elemental, you know, yeah. you've got these sea monsters, exactly. water monsters. Yeah. They could be a water elemental or some physical form of yeah. that. And yeah. Wouldn't it be interesting if, if, you know, we, we knew and we'll probably never know, but if we knew that Nessie was the guardian of Loch Ness. Right. As a water elemental. Right. And that was the form that we saw or mm-hmm. that, that people have seen and attempted to photograph for decades. Right. That it was a water elemental there as the protector. Right. You know, I mean, and Adam's right. You know, so many of these cryptids that we talk about are affiliated with some aspect of nature. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it be the air or the water or the earth. And and it brings a whole new look at cryptids and cryptid sightings and cryptid hunting. Anytime you go out with a big party looking for a cryptid, you don't really find evidence of it. They That's right. they show up to the one or two people and you know, you're not able to get good evidence of it. So is that because it's something more than an unknown animal? It's a spirit. Right. Right. So, but air elementals and all the the negatives that can be tied to them, there are a lot of positives too. Um, They're associated with joyful music, bell tones, and the sounds of happy parties. And um, animals associated with the presence of air elementals are things like black dogs, horses, badgers, hares, and pigs. Now, they have been known to leave fairy rings in the fields that they frequent. We, we talked about fairy rings in our Fae episode. And the fairies, you know, which are also associated with fairy forts and, and cairns and, and hinges like Stonehenge and even hills and mountainsides, um, all may be where you could interact with an air elemental. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you don't have to be, you know, way up on, way up on top of a mountain or, or actually flying through the air. You know, they're all around you. Right. You know, you just have to know where would be the best place for me to interact with an air elemental. Right. And to know what you're looking for. Right. The next element we've got is fire. And just, I've been trying so hard not to make a Captain Planet reference this whole time (laughs) because I do it all the time. And I thought I just wouldn't do it this time, but I had to say Adam was the biggest fan of Captain Planet. I watched it every day after school, man. Um... So fire um, or salamanders. Now they have power over flame and smoke. Now they don't directly communicate with humans at all. They can be placated though with incense and stuff. So when, when you burn incense at an altar, a lot of times, you know, you're, you will be placating a fire elemental. Now, according to Paracelsus, who we touched on before, they appear as little balls of light, fireballs, or tongues of fire. In medieval literature, they've been described as lizard-like beings. So one class of salamander, the Agnitsi, I'm not, I pronounced it wrong. You did, um, you did better than I would have done. <laughs> um, they appear as St. Elmo's fire on the rigging of ships. They can sometimes be seen as glowing orbs over bodies of water. So we've talked about those before, the the little ghost lights that you see over bogs and stuff like that. 
Well, it's said that like other elementals, they are playful and fond of children, but they don't fully understand the outcome of their actions. And they may end up harming those around them if they get irritated. Now, legend says that without the spark of life sustained by the salamanders, life and matter begin to decay, corrode, and disintegrate. Yeah, and so certain negative things that have been associated with with salamanders and, and other fire elementals are things like wildfires um, or just unexplained eruption of fires. Um, but they also can cause a human to develop this sudden obsession with fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so a symptom of an elemental haunting in a human would be pyromania. You know, now, I mean, you know, I like fire. We all do. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like a, a boy's affinity with fire begins at age two and ends at 99. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just the way it is. All boys are pyromaniacs at heart. Um, but, but as Adam said, fireballs and self-reflecting orbs of light, tongues of flame, you know, they're all been associated with, you know, fire elemental hauntings. Um, but objects spontaneously catching fire have been reported as well. Now, it's interesting that according to these theorists, spontaneous human combustion, which Adam and I have discussed before, too, mm-hmm. is not an elemental haunting. Which I thought that was interesting. I, I, and- I was, you know, yeah, it almost seems like they're going out of their way to say, oh, but wait, but this just completely complete destruction of a human being by internal fire. That's not them. Yeah. They're not going to do that. Yeah, but how, do you, how do you know? Exactly. I, I was going to say, <laughs> how How do you know? Because that, you know, we have no good explanation as of yet to spontaneous human combustion. Right. So could it be that a fire elemental is angry, you've made it mad, and you haven't placated it in any way, and so it comes in and it's like, well, screw you, buddy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Yep. So, <laughs> you know, and, and it does. And, and of course, those cases are so strange. Um, and, and if if you're interested in that, and you hadn't gone back. It's one of our early episodes where we talk about spontaneous human combustion and some of the theories behind it. One of my more favorites, too. Yeah. And, th- you know, they talk about tests showing that chemical imbalances or alcoholism, you know, is somehow related to the possibility of spontaneous human combustion. I mean, really, we don't even know that it's an actual thing. We just, we just can't explain how, you know, this set of cases occurred. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it may be presumptuous to just say, if you believe in elementals that, Oh, but they didn't do this. Yeah. No, they they won't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I mean, they could do other stuff and maybe they don't even realize they're doing it. Right. You know, as Adam said, they have maybe more of a childlike quality and they don't realize the power that they hold. Right. Now, um, Phoenix, the Phoenix and dragons are also considered by many to be fire elementals. But it's interesting, uh, um, Adrian um, in, in Clint, I'm going I'm to screw this guy's name <laughs> up and I practiced it, but it's Adrian Incladon Weber. Now, he is a a house healer in the UK. Now, he works to help people cleanse their houses of negative energies. Now, I watched an interview uh, with him. Actually, it wasn't an interview. He was actually um, at a conference, you know, giving a presentation. And 
he tells a story of a woman who was a friend of his that, that was complaining that her boiler wasn't working and that she was constantly having workmen come to her home and work on it. And they would come and they would fix it and it would be working for a few days. And then the next thing you know, it's on the fritz again and she's having another workman come out and, and work on it. Mm-hmm. So she asked him if he would take a look. Now, you know, he admitted, you know, I'm, I'm no engineer, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a handyman. But, you know, he, he was happy to go take a look. And what he says he found was a fire elemental that was trapped in the boiler. And so he was able to remove this elemental and the boiler started working. Now, of course, as he tells the story, when the, the, the next workman came that was expecting to, to meet a broken boiler, she's like, oh, it's OK now. Yeah. It's like, really? How'd that happen? You know, oh, well, my friend came over and extracted a, a fire elemental from it. And you know that it's like, well, well, okay. That guy was like, sure he did. Yeah. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, Adrian also says that you can photograph fire elementals. Now I want to try this. Take, take, take this as you will. Um, because I've done this. I not, I've not actually taken photos. But I've watched a fire. Sure. And I've seen little things. Sure. But according to to Adrian, these are the birth of fire elementals. So what he suggests you do is if you have a fire pit or a place where you can, you know, build a fire, build a fire and then take your 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 phone, you know, or a camera and just start quickly snapping a bunch of shots in succession. Mm-hmm. Just bam, 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 bam. Just go. And then look at them. And he said, as you go through, you can sometimes catch the emergence of a fire elemental. Now, what he shows would be images of lizards, dragons, even griffins that are all considered to be fire elementals. Mm-hmm. And the pictures are, they're interesting enough. You know, but I think if you snap enough pictures, you're going to get a picture of something that's going to look like something else. Yeah. You know, with just the nature of fire and, and, and how the flames come up and your imagination. Yeah. And your imagination, if, if you're thinking you're going to see something, you're going to, it's like looking at an image in the clouds. Right. You know, this one looks like a dog. Right. Well, this, this picture of this fire looks like a dragon. Yeah. You know, I took a picture of a tiki torch flame one time, just as I thought it would be a cool picture. And I saw a skull in the flame. Yeah. You know, you can see what you want to see. It, it's, yeah. uh, we've said that about a lot of things, you know, you know, but it may be something fun or interesting to try and just see what your results are. You know, if you just get a bunch of pictures of the fire, you'd be like, eh, whatever. But you, you may actually catch something that looks like something else or that you, your mind can at least make look like something else. Right. Right. Now, before we get into some of the, the rest of this stuff, Matt, why don't we talk about the fifth element? Yes. Um, the fifth element is, like Matt said, it's known as the ether or the spirit. And you'll know what we're talking about here because in a lot of Wiccan practices or, you know, you, you'll see it associated with witches and stuff, all five of these elements are symbolized 
on the pentagram. So four of the points of this five-pointed star represent the four base elements, and then the fifth represents the ether or the spirit. Yeah, so, you know, this is what, you know, alchemists and philosophers were always concerned with. Um, you know, the, the people that are associated with, you know, the, the ether and space, you know, the, the gin, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, they can, the Kinis, I'm about to say that wrong, gray aliens and angels. So, you know, some of these beings that we've, uh, as humans, have categorized in other things. Right. You know, may very well be a part of this quote unquote fifth element, you know, that, you know, we, we can't really see or feel or touch, but it's just one of those things where you kind of know it's there, Mm -hmm. you know, where there's some type of other energy around you. But I thought it was most interesting about the angels, um, being affiliated this, because I was able to find a hierarchy in elementals and that each, each of the elements you know, will have specific beings associated with it. But then they will have a king. And, and Adam mentioned the king of the earth element uh, was uh, was Gob. Mm-hmm. It's G-H-O-B, Gob. Right. But the angel associated with overseeing, not the lord of or commander, but overseeing the earth elementals was Ariel. So... Like I said, take that with what you will. You right. know, I mean, you know, if, if there, there's actually somebody that's documented this hierarchy. Now, for water elementals, their king is is Nixa. And the angel associated with water is Gabriel. So, I mean, most people have heard of, you mm-hmm. know, the archangel Gabriel. Mm-hmm. With fire, the the king is Jinn, which if you if you know anything about the the legend of the Jinn, they were beings created by God, but different than angels. Right. And they were born of fire. Right. So they're what we would consider to be genies. Yep. You and know, Matt and I have done extensive research on the jinn right. in the past. <laughs> that's right. Um, but uh, but it's odd, you know, to me that, you know, there's there's this many connections. Yeah. And that, so their king would be Jen, and the angel affiliated with them is Michael. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course, you know, Michael is, uh, you know, according to biblical stories, the uh, he's the commando for the Lord's army. Yep. <laughs> you know, he he's he's the fighter. He's the warrior. He has a flaming sword. Yeah. So fire would be, you know, more likely to be associated with the archangel Michael. Mm-hmm. Now, air the king of the air elementals is Peralda and the angel associated with air is Raphael. Now that's one angel that I didn't have a lot of experience with. And there's not a lot of literature about Raphael. Right. Um, but, uh, but that's the hierarchy of these elementals that, you know, it's, it's not just, Oh, well, there's some elementals out here and this is what they do. There's actually so much in the, in the legends that they they have a structure, you know. There's, you know, they're they're making sure that things are done according to nature's plan. Right. That this is these are the these are the laws of nature, and the elementals are going to ensure 
that they're being upheld. But, you know, in the same respect, there's always elementals that could um, get a little rambunctious from time to time. Sure. And would need oversight. And that's what the king did. And the angel was responsible to ensure that everything was in balance and harmony. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine, you know, you know, Ariel coming up, knocking on Michael's door going, Hey man, these fires got to go. You know, (laughs) some, somebody call Gabriel and get this place some water. (laughs) Right. right. (laughs) You know, there's an imbalance. There's something that's not in harmony. And, you know, we're the ones that are in charge of making sure that, Everything is balanced again. Mm -hmm. But angels have been suggested to be elementals, like we said, in their own right. You know, if you if your understanding of this fifth element, you know, if if you if you're buying into this, the, the lore of angels clearly has them lording over all the elementals. Now, an angel's nature is one of pure spirit and not of combined material elements. So they often appear as an energy created with with a specific intent. You know, they have a job to do. Right. And this right. is the energy is going to be focused towards doing that job and only that job. Now, in the occult or or magical or religious lore, there are specific angels who command specific elementals. And that's the, the ones we had just discussed in the hierarchy. And the Lord calls upon them to do that job. So this is this is part of what an angel's duty is, you know, to ensure that, you know, the elementals of the earth maintain this balance and harmony. And it's it's funny to me because. Especially now we hear so much about the damage that humans do to the environment and the earth, but that in the grand scheme of things, we really don't make that much of a difference. You know, and now, now bear with me, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on conservation and everything else, but you understand the earth has been around for a really long time and it has a tendency to cleanse itself. So if you, if you're kind of on the fence with this idea, or if you, if you kind of just like, yeah, I like the idea that there's these spirits that take care of the earth. Look at things like, um, Chernobyl. What humans did to the earth, you know, accidentally, you know, but what what human involvement did to the earth there? And what's there now? Nature is reclaiming that area. That's right. You know, vegetation grows. Animals, you know, they they dwell in that area where humans wouldn't dare. Mm -hmm. But they're there. You know, and, and and nature has reclaimed it. And it, it. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that if we leave it alone and don't continue to make the problem worse, then nature can come back in and reclaim. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if we keep if we kept blowing the place up or or whatever, then they it, you know wouldn't have the chance to. But yeah, yeah, you know, nature will come and take back over. That's right, and so you know that's why I said at the beginning. You know, humans are inconsequential to to elementals, Mm -hmm. you know, but we can we can anger them and, you know, we can we can disrupt their their duty. And, you know, when when the human involvement is taken away, they take back over. Right. But, you know, they their job 
you know, is partly in to cleanse the earth. You know, water elementals cleanse the oceans and the seas. You know, air ele- elementals cleanse the air. You know, despite our efforts to pollute it. Right. <laughs> you know, they're there to to uh, to, to cleanse and, and to protect. So if, if we have... If if we have an elemental that seems to be causing us issues, that is haunting the the thing, what should what should we do? Well, elemental hauntings are rare, but they do occur. And you know, you, like Adam said at the top of the show, you're going to see some of these paranormal investigator shows go, "Ooh, you know, this is an elemental, and this is bad news." Not always, you know, and and as a rule, it's not. Mm-hmm. But an elemental haunting can be problematic. Now, these type of hauntings occur usually when you move in and invade their territory. So once this occurs, these types of hauntings can be dangerous, and they can also be extremely hard to deal with. Now, the types of things that can occur during, during elemental haunting is financial disruption, feelings of extreme depression, fatigue, Problems sleeping or sleep deprivation, arguments with friends and family will occur, and these type of entities will move objects or break objects, disturb you when you sleep, cause electrical disturbances, and can mess with your electronic devices. So, you know, if if they have that much control over the elements, you know, they can affect virtually every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. You know, and we've talked about each individual one, what kind of symptoms that humans will have when they're having a negative experience with an elemental. Now, what should you do if this happens to you? Now, don't cry. Don't cry. It'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. So religious blessings can help, but they really don't always work. Spiritual cleansings using sage and other types of herbs and, and essential oils, they work the best, but they've got to be really, really strong. So remember, you're dealing with an ancient spirit. But giving something up as a form of an apology to the elemental for disturbing them can be most effective. You know, so as we talked about with with fairies and fey folk, being respectful is key. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you've done something to anger an elemental, then you've done something disrespectful. You know, you've you've affected nature in some respect. Right. Offering them up something which essentially is giving up something yourself. So, for example, if you're trying to communicate and and offer something up for an air elemental, maybe you quit smoking. Right. You know, um, maybe you 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 fix the catalytic converter on that old Chevy that sits out there and and blows black smoke every time you fire it up. Something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you stop doing those kind of practices. But there are ways that people can communicate with elementals. Now, whether you're trying to just commune with an elemental or appease a troublesome spirit, you you want to show the utmost respect, as, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago. They are the caretakers of nature at their core. So you have to always keep that in mind. You know, they, they cleanse the air, they 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 clean the water that we drink and and they they protect the earth where we grow our food so much like communicating with fairies one should always show a respect to nature and mother earth 
if you're trying to connect with an air elemental, like we said before, you, you probably shouldn't do so, you know, while you're smoking, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, something like that, you know, because that would be seen as disrespectful. Leaving litter around a campsite is a surefire way to upset a gnome. But elementals really are most helpful to humans who know how to request their assistance. So should you need the rain to stop for a little while to have a picnic? You ask the air elementals for the appropriate weather. Now, uh, Adrian and Cladon Weber suggest that when you ask an elemental for assistance, you should always ask three times because they don't always listen. Again, they're not all that concerned with what humans are doing. Right. But when asking an elemental for assistance, you should ask and not command. Okay, because remember, you're dealing with an ancient spirit again. It's something that, you know, if you believe in it, it's much more powerful than you. Yeah, you're you're a lot lower in the hierarchy than it is. That's exactly right. You know, so think about a human and an ant. Mm-hmm. You know, ants really don't affect my life. They're important to the environment. Yeah, they can cause problems yeah. occasionally. If they get into my house, then I have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. So imagine you're the elemental and the humans are the ants. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have you have invaded my house. Now I have to deal with you. Right. You know, I'm fine to let you live and do what you wish. But now now you're infringing upon my happiness and right. I have to deal with you. But if you're planting a garden, ask the earth elemental to help your plants grow strong. And that can be quite effective. If it's a decorative flower garden, making a small ornamental sacred space is a good offering, and it can also invite fairies. Now, if you're thinking about going deep sea diving, meditation on the boat to request peace and aid from the water elementals can help ensure a safe and enjoyable trip. So regardless of which elemental you're trying to communicate with, you should always let them know when you're done and their assistance is no longer needed. That's the equivalent of inviting a friend to your house and walking them to the door when they leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're showing the respect by letting them know, okay, thank you. We're, we're finished. You know, yeah. ca- carry on with what you were doing. Be on your way. <laughs> so it, it, you know, the idea of elementals is, is super fascinating to me because it encompasses so much that everybody can relate to. Right. Whether it's whether you're you're a, a spiritual person or a religious person or not, it has something to do with your life. You know, and, and everyone from uh Christians to to Buddhists to Muslims to people that study Confucianism, whatever, there is some type of elemental entity that affects what they do. And, you know, to me, that makes them even more interesting that the idea that there are spirits that control the elements, um, regardless of what your, your faith is. Yeah. They're above all that. That's right. It doesn't matter to them at all. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I found fascinating was that, you know, we, like we said before, nowadays, when we hear someone say an elemental, we get worried. We get mm-hmm. freaked out because we assume that it's this dark demonic thing. Right. Much like Lep Castle. Right. But it's really not. 
You know, we, we've changed that definition. We've changed the way we see it to make it something demonic. And, you know, that, that was really interesting to me because it, it's not, you know, not anywhere near that. So right. when you see a, a ghost hunting show that says, oh, we've got an elemental here and, and everybody is in danger and da, 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 you can just laugh at them now. Yeah. Because that's not the case. It, it, it really doesn't seem to be that way. Um, you know, but poking and provoking them. Yeah. Sure. Doesn't seem like the idea because they are powerful. Yep. And they and can you, cause you problems. You, you could, you could get some really bad problems, you know, by, um, a, approaching that situation with the wrong respect. Right. But, um, as we mentioned, you know, we're not going to dig back into Lep Castle, but, if you followed this show and you listen to the, the Lep Castle episode, it, it sure does feel like that the elemental that's there, it's more of a misnomer, mm-hmm. you know, that this, whatever resides there is, is not what we would consider a traditional elemental. Mm-hmm. If it's an elemental at all. Right. I, I think it's more of a demonic presence that someone has, like you said, mislabeled. Yeah. You know, something was was possibly invoked to be there in that castle, mm-hmm. and that's where it resides. And, you know, as we said before, you know, that castle just seems to not invite human inhabitants. Right. But, um, but yeah, after studying this, it made us both kind of think, yeah, that's not what that is over there, no. probably. No. It's just called that. Right. So let us know what you guys think. Have you ever you know, experienced anything that you could now label as an elemental presence in your life. Um, let us know, you know, is there that spot that you have to go to be recharged per se by an, an elemental presence? Um, hit us up, you know, talk about it. Let's talk about it in the Facebook group or email us or whatever. Yeah. And speaking of the Facebook group, you know, you can find us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we do have a very active Facebook group with so many fantastic people with personal stories. Um, you know, sometimes just, just some funny happenings or, or whatever, but it's a safe place for people to come and share mm-hmm. experiences they've had without being judged for it. Right. You know, and, and, you know, Adam and I feel like that's great. And you'll, you'll see us in there commenting and, and so forth. Um, but you can also check us out at our website. As we mentioned at the top of the show, it's graveyardpodcast.com. And on the website, you can listen to the show. You can find uh, links to buy our merchandise. And you can become a patron. And we've got more Patreon material coming out. Um, so if, if you just hadn't pulled the trigger, you know, if you want to hear um, you know, some more laid back, you know, topics that we don't typically discuss on a regular show, you know, join up and, uh, you can, you can hear us kind of just go back and forth and laugh and cut up about some of these things we talk about on the Patreon show, mm-hmm. even more so than here. Right. Um, but, uh, thank you so much for listening. Adam and I appreciate it. Uh, you guys have made the show what it is as always in two weeks. We'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Mm-hmm.